Hello friends, welcome to episode 130 of Storyteller Conclave. This is a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can, whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft, or an experienced experienced storyteller looking to take your game to the next level. I am Sarah, and I'm (laughs) tongue-tied. I'm Rob, and I'm enjoying the laughter. (laughs) How are we doing, Rob? Um, good. I I am done with work for the next 10 days, and I am... Happy and you, about your that. bags are packed, and you're leaving on a jet plane. I am doing all of those things, so uh, no, it's it's going to be good. Uh, which gives us our, our, our odd recording schedule tonight. So mm-hmm. uh, for those of you listening to this uh, via podcast, uh, you will get your installment next week. Uh, if you're favoring enough to be on right now on MixLR. You're going to get a second one right after this. Yeah, big shout so. out to everybody uh, listening in the live chat right yeah, now. And, it's um, wonderful to have you I see Hulu who's here to, uh, yeah. to, to, to hang out with us uh, for for first time in a long time. So welcome. Yes, yes. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Please throw your questions in there as we, we go through. I'm sure between uh, all of this, there's going to be a lot of questions. We've already had some really great ones. Uh, and uh, it's basically a back-to-back show about villains yeah uh so first off if you if you miss the announcement um because we are uh double recording because rob will be on vacation next week um if you're listening to us live on mixlr when this is uh, is being recorded um there will be another recording tonight so you're actually getting two podcasts tonight uh if you are not and you're picking this up um on whatever your podcast network is later Uh, you'll get your the regular Storyteller scheduled. Con- yeah, Storyteller, Storyteller Conclave will come out as scheduled next Wednesday, yep. uh, as as normal. Yep, just like it normally does. Probably uh, probably get pushed out. What about eight o'clock or so? Yeah, I think that I think I've got it scheduled for the same time, so yep. that doesn't screw up anybody's schedule. So, so uh, yep, uh, everything everything will be status quo. Yeah. Uh, so tonight we kind of have a, a double feature about villains. Mm-hmm. We're gonna start by uh kind of building out a better villain. Uh, with tonight's episode, how to how to write them, and yeah. then the next episode is going to be kind of about what to do with them after you got them. Yeah. So let's let's get right into this. Yeah. Um, one of the one of the things that always comes to me is people start villainy with evil, and I don't. So there's this guy who wants to blow up the world, and you're right. like, okay, well, how did he get there? Yeah. Yeah. So I always say every all characters have to have some basic components. That's it. Mm-hmm. You, if, whether it's an NPC that's going to be the baker in the you know in the town, or you know uh, it's the duke who's you know going to be giving out the quests, or it's the villain that you, you're planning for this character for this, they need to have some basic components. One, they need to have an outward appearance that defines them without a doubt. Now that outward appearance can be a mask. That's fine. Sure, sure. But they still need to have an out- external appearance um, that helps define them to the players. So when you describe them, you want them to either be rich or poor or smart or demanding or supportive or caring, kind, something in the way that they move, the way they act, the way they speak, um, the way they address people, the way they physically dress. So that gives them a character type that the players can see as their external visage. Okay, the way they present themselves to the world. And and I dare say this is one of the more important aspects of your villain, because um, especially like if your villain is your BBEG, your big, right. bad, evil guy, right. um, he's going to be the focus of your of your, your hero's attentions mm-hmm. for a good long while, yeah. if you're lucky. So yeah. really flushing out, you know, what this character looks like, how they act, and all mm-hmm. their little mannerisms and stuff like that is a of paramount importance yes you know it's the centerpiece of your of your table basically mm-hmm. 
And then beyond that, you start stepping into the internal goals. What what are what is their primary goal? Not necessarily drive, we're going to get to that, but their internal goals. Are they looking for clarity? Are they looking for knowledge? Are they looking for appreciation or recognition? Do they do they crave power and they need control over something or over themselves? Are they seeking justice on a regular basis? It is usually a single defining goal. Now that usually there's a bit more behind that and you can go into it, but it's something that you can go and come back to very easily. Like if I have a baker and his outward appearances is that he is poor but i mean he bakes well Mm -hmm. you know and he has a small business i might write his internal goal as appreciation so every time he talks to the cost you know talks to his customers he may be a little downtrodden but he might always ask like well do you like it do do you really like it Mm -hmm. and trying to look for that appreciation for his stuff validation exactly and um that's the kind of thing that can can sit behind every step, whether it is an outward thing or an action on the side or something you're thinking about them reacting to. That internal goal helps deliver that message in a, in a direct way. Mm-hmm. The next step behind that sits at their drive. And this is normally just a single sentence um, or two if necessary. But traditionally, you want to keep it to one um, that literally gives you purpose day to day. So, you know, if someone is out there seeking justice for the common man, mm-hmm. fantastic, easily, you can look back at that line and know exactly what they're going to do next. Whatever sets is set before them, um, become powerful and never be bullied again is, is, a, is a great example of that. Um, discover the real reason why an event occurred. Mm-hmm. You know, not what everyone was told, not what, what everyone's accepted, maybe not even the truth. They're they're looking for the real reason, right? You know, right. which could be very disillusioned. And these are these are great because they're they're kind of like um, almost like mission statements for like a company. Yeah. You know, no, so very like much if, so. If you if you ever find yourself like, oh, what would this guy do? Like the first thing you should do is look at this statement, their drive, yeah, and and go like, all right, look, all of their motivations stem from this one thing. Mm-hmm. So how do I make them accomplish this goal? Yep. With the cards that they've been dealt currently. Exactly. Traditionally, their outward appearance won't change throughout a story. Mm-hmm. That's not going to change much. Their internal goal may not change within a story unless there's a drastic turn. Their drive statement might change. Oh, sure. Sure. Depending absolutely. on the events. And that's where things can, where the 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 characters that are their road that be, you know start out as fleas and end up becoming full on roadblocks and problems mm-hmm. might change their direction and focus. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it might go from I'm trying to make the world peaceful to I need to eradicate the problems to make peace. Yes. And and now there's a now the word problem becomes a new definition, uh-huh. you know. And and that's where you that's where things can shift and where you can adjust it. But once that drive statement is set, work with it until a drastic change comes in. Something that that either targets their outward appearance or targets their goal will shift that. Sure, sure, sure. We're going to talk a little bit later about paradigm shifts, mm-hmm. and that's that's basically what's going to do it. Something that changes the playing field for them and may, causes them to stop and redefine things. So why do people what, what where do we move from a from an NPC to a villain? Oh like, god, wh- like what what are some reasons for this? There's 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 a lot of reasons and like honestly <sighs> I say we could do a whole show on it but we kind of already are. We are. Um <laughs> is uh uh 
like I mean, th- there's there's some big obvious ones. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. revenge tales yep. are always a big thing. Always um, huge. Greed and power. Yep. You know, uh, ego. Ego is a big one. Ego's you know, of just of just like I, I'm unstoppable and I can do anything. I usually so think that I like will. ego and justice kind of sit in there. They've always been there. They're not necessarily a reason that you turn to to uh, evil, but it's something that might help shove you further into oh, it. Oh, sure, sure. And ju- justice is one of them. Um, justice is a weird one, though, because yeah. justice can get you into the anti-hero just as much as it can the villain. Um, and so that's kind of where you start drawing some distinctions between, uh, like, the antagonist and the and the villain, you know? Um, like, Frank Castle. Uh, Very much so. Uh, the Punisher. The Punisher. Is a great example of a, of a hero driven by justice. Mm-hmm. Well, of a character driven character. by justice. It's, it, that's, it's... Of a character driven by justice. And where he sits on the villainy line is a lot... Is he an anti-hero? He, yeah. I mean, I, I, I kind of chalk him up to anti-hero because he's still targeting bad guys and defending the defending the helpless but his methods definitely stray into villainy yeah i mean does he care if if justice and law get injured or hurt or killed in his process of handling justice i think he'd prefer not to from my understanding of the character i'm not a huge punisher fan so i may be off base on this. i think it's changed over the years too i think he'd prefer not to but also you can't make an omelet without breaking a few eggs exactly and i think that that drives that difference of that 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 gray edge where you're starting to question yeah would it take much to flip him probably not Mm -hmm. probably not uh love believe it or not now now and I, i say this this is another tricky one because mm-hmm. people have a lot of lofty ideas of what love is and what love isn't and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you talk to some purists, they will say that love cannot be a motivator for evil. That love right. love in and of itself is pure. But like, man, uh, what a lot of people – and so we put this in air quotes, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. What a lot of people mistake for love is um, obsession, is uh, lust, is um, – What's the word? I'm, not not quite greed, but like the 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 want to possess another person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, c- c- all kind of falls under that like giant air quotes love thing. Yeah. I mean, you've you've got attraction, desire, desire. Yeah. Lust. You have um obsession. You know, mm-hmm. when you're obsessed with someone, um, and all of those kind of factor under the love quote, and that's that's kind of why I put that in there, is that it is a driving force. It's, it is something that can push you over that edge. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and anybody who's familiar, I'm trying to, there's a term for it um, in uh, 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 Japanese anime culture where you have, usually it's a female protagonist who l- loves you to death. Like, literally, that, like, it's not so much like no one can have you, mm-hmm. but so much like, oh, I love you, I love you so much, I love you so much that I'm willing to kill you because it means that much to me. Yep. Or yep. kill for you, definitely, without question, you know, to end everyone else around until it is just me that you see. There's a, there's a song by the band Portishead that I loved called All Mine. Ah, oh, okay. And uh, the, one of the lines is like, tethered and tied, there's nowhere to hide from me, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And it's it's all about, like, it's it sounds like a love song if, like, you listen to it in a very, very superficial way, but once you start examining all the lyrics, mm-hmm. it's, 
very creepy stalker level on the way of like every breath you take by you know by the police you know i, th- I thought that was about a dog and a master yeah 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 that's, that's, what it is. Ah, that's where i'm gonna go with that one anyways <laughs> so let's start talking about some of these turning points sure, sure. um so traditionally when you when you when, when i at least when i'm building out a villain mm-hmm. is I'm always thinking about the one person who made the turn, like, and what flaw turned them. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it was arrogance, whether it was wrath, whether it was obsession, hatred, bind love, uh, purity of justice, um, you know, uh, false truth is another one that always gets me. What they believe and and can't let go of. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's always good when your family has told you a history that you believe, and then the truth comes through and you choose not to believe it regardless of who's saying there has to be something more um so you you give them a wrong but in a reasonable way right so just one step further than they would normally have gone but they consider it reasonable Mm mm-hmm it's, it puts them up that they're they're slaughtering people who are trying to kill them or you know kidnap someone they love even if they are lawful or misguided so, you know, I'm defending my property because you're coming after my daughter. Sure. You know, because maybe she did something, but I don't consider that you don't have a reason to come after her. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll come handle warrant. I'll I'll handle this. Yeah. You know, and now I'm now I'm taking care of the law. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I'm just you know, or whoever came, I'm just protecting my daughter. There's nothing wrong with what I've done. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah, yeah. You know, that justified uh committing crimes against people uh, they suspect that is responsible. Mm-hmm. Um, there's uh, there's all there's tons of examples of this where you have stories where individuals get wrapped up in a situation only to discover that the people they're going after, albeit wrong, bad people for other reasons, are not the people who did the crime. They were just involved at a light level. Yeah, yeah. You know. Um, Hired thugs, they're not the mastermind or something. Well, not even so much that, but, like, uh, in one particular example, um, I remember a story where someone was uh, uh, murdered, and then two people came in and robbed the place just after the murder because they saw the door was unlocked. Mm -hmm. And they saw the body and just, you know, basically got their stuff and left. Sure. Well, they were the ones seen leaving. Oh, I gotcha. So now that whole crime ring gets roped up in this murder that had nothing to do with them. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Only to find out, you know... It was some other completely different person who was involved. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, often red herring kind of stuff. Um, flouting restrictions that have been given by authorities. Okay. It's always a big one. Like, you know, no one can do, you know, use this here. Well, I mean, I can. You know, I'm I'm a lord, mm-hmm. right? That, that doesn't apply to me. Oh, I got you. So it's, you're talking more like abuse of power. Kind of, or, or even less than that of like, well, the law doesn't even see me. I'm so low. Gotcha. Okay. You know, okay. We we don't have to worry about stealing this apple. One Who's way or another, care? though, realizing you're outside of the law. Right. Just one step outside gotcha. the law because gotcha. it doesn't really apply to you. Gotcha. You okay. know, um, stealing. This is the other one. Stealing supplies or uh, to fuel the pursuit the that person's pursuit for justice or their attempts to co- recover what they've lost. Mm-hmm. So, like, I, you know, I I go and break into a. Uh, a, a gun shop to get a gun so that I can go take care of a killer. Mm-hmm. Like, well, I didn't hurt anybody. Yeah, but you broke into a gun store to get a gun. Yeah. That's yeah. still breaking the law, 
right? Or stealing a car to chase down someone who's running away with your, you know, your kidnapped kid, you know? Right, right. But the, but the, but the point is, is that you start off with little reasonable infractions. infractions. Yeah, quote unquote reasonable, um, almost justifiable yes. from a certain point of view. Yeah. Um, and then, so you you've put it down here as the downward spiral. Um, I I I like to have a moment where my villains cross a line, mm-hmm. and uh, kind of have a moment where like those the, the 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 little crimes become the big crimes. Yeah, and there's a there's a moment where where your villains kind of go like, oh okay, this this is kind of who I am now. You know, the clarity moment. The clarity moment. Yeah. yeah. I, I think that hits in the downward spiral, but it's really up to you whether or not how early it hits, whether it's like I've accepted one thing, everyone starts calling me to this, and now they've just accepted it. Sure, sure. Or if it's a matter of, you know, they they've you know, they swallowed the spider to catch the fly, they swallowed the, you know and, and they just keep moving down yep. the list and they eventually get to like staring at the elephant and just say, Oh well, we're here. Yeah. Yeah, you know? exactly. Exactly. And it's in for me. It's rarely that individual. In for a penny, in for a pound. Exactly. Yes. It's it's rarely that person. It's someone that they have devoted themselves to. Whether they find that person trustworthy or not, that they've been connected to, that's the one that's just like, well, why is this such a big deal? You already did all this, mm-hmm. and that's the realization. It's that outside force of, am I listening to this? Am I listening to myself? I don't. I don't I guess I don't have a choice now. Yeah. And, and yeah. you're now you're here. We've you're, come we've come this far already. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um and then after that I think it's just the reinforcement. It's the if they attempt to do something right, society puts pressure against them mm-hmm. that they still have all these acts of of unjust. Um and you know, I'll, I'll soapbox for a second here, but like when people go to jail and do their time in jail, oftentimes they leave jail and people still call them convicts. Yeah. Like, they're done. They did their time. That is the past. If society worked the way society should work, right. you should walk out of there with a clean slate. But you don't. You walk out of there with a lot of baggage. Yeah. And, and a lot of trauma. And, yeah. and nine times out of ten, the things that you did trauma to still remember it and they have not dealt with it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know... You you walk back into the same store you shoplifted from. I assure you, they're going to remember. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You know, um, people who uh, justify their actions then and allow others to either be a silent or accept that this is now the way it is. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of kingpin kind of stuff starts that way, where you basically have someone who rises to power through silence and non-action. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got all the strength. You know. Well, he didn't start out that way. No, no, he started out as a gang. But, I mean, the gang eventually got guns, and people got scared. And, you know, we basically just, it, it, this is what it is now. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's not bad, you know, because the abused get used to it. It's not as bad as it could be, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and a good hype man goes a long way. Oh, yeah. Having, having that first follower to the villain... Who's just like, yeah, boss, what we doing? You know, trying to keep things moving along. Or or the 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 fellow who is just like, this is acceptable. I'm okay with this. I'm here for the ride. You know, we're we're not we're not doing anything terrible, you know, we're just handling mm-hmm. things. You know? Yeah. yeah. We're the we're the good guys. 
You know, Mm -hmm. we're going in here. We're taking care of bad guys. You know, these people should be thanking us every day. You know, instead of instead of, you know, looking at us like that. And and that person over there is the real problem of this group. I, I think if they weren't here, there wouldn't be an issue. Yep. And then once you've got that power to do something about it, you feel like you can and you feel like you should. Exactly. And yeah, exactly. And then that, that starts – that keeps you down the path of villainy because you now need to exercise all that power you've accumulated to maintain your position of power. Yep. Yep. Now I'm going to pause on this next one, that we next point here, and actually jump past it because I think we can continue this part later because I want to get into some of your the, – the comments you threw in about antagonists and oh, villains. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um. So uh, – one of my big things is uh, I, I'm I, I'm a huge fan of the sympathetic villain, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and I'm an even, even huger fan of the line between antagonist and villain. Yes. Um, so an antagonist, uh, I, we've, we've talked about this on the show before, um, that there is a difference between an antagonist and a villain. Um, villains are antagonists, but not all antagonists are villains. An antagonist just means that they stand in opposition to the protagonists, which in tabletop RPGs would be our, our player characters. Right. Um, so someone that stands in opposition to them just means that they have different goals. Yeah. And that their goals typically would be obstacles to the goals of the PCs. Exactly. So if the PCs are, for instance, um, moderately involved with the Thieves Guild. Sure doesn't necessarily make them villains or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, they may, in fact, in fact, be like Robin Hood types or something like sure. that. But the lawful good sheriff of the town who wants to catch all thieves because they do illegal things mm-hmm. and people who consort with thieves because they're accomplices mm-hmm. um, will definitely have some questions uh, for, for, the, uh, for the, uh, the, the PCs. Um, I recently introduced a couple of antagonists into mm-hmm. my game mm-hmm. um, with uh, uh, the powerful artifact that was stolen by my boyfriend's character, mm-hmm. uh, Thalian. Um, there are a couple of investigators from the Sigic Order that came asking about it because some parts of his story wasn't adding up. And they yes. were they, had, they, they just wanted to, wanted to sit him down, just ask him some right. questions, you right. know? Yeah. So basically, we've got cops. Mm-hmm. We've got detectives. FBI. FBI came to top men. <laughs> came to came to ask on him now, and uh, uh, I've I've already told him I'm like, j- just so we're clear from an out of character standpoint, um, I'm not picking on you, but this is just a plot I'm introducing. So if I feel like I'm breathing down your neck about it, like it's not personal. Mm-hmm. So just just have that understanding going forward. But this is not the last you've seen of these gentlemen. Right, right, right. Um, and. Uh, yeah, he's in full agreement with that. He's like, no, I, I yeah. love him. I love him. No, no, <laughs> like, bring, they were, bring they were back. fantastic they were characters. I love them. Um, I love them. You did again, handle them well. Antagonists. Yeah. So. I mean, they, they, they're they not bad guys. They're In fact, they're very good guys. They just don't have a sense of humor. It's but, been removed from them. But they are going to <laughs> breathe down the neck of one of our PCs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, constantly because he did something shady. Sniffing and, the butts of everyone around them. <laughs> exactly. And it, and it stepped on, 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 their, on their territory. Yeah, very um, much so. So, uh, like, uh, cops cops in most superhero vigilante movies are great examples of, of how you can have like, a good and lawful person as, mm-hmm. an, as an antagonist. Um, now, uh, uh, and the difference is basically that villains uh, implies evil doing, malice, spite, those sort of things. Correct. Okay. The, the moment you've stepped over the line at that point and, and do not have care. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you, you throw care to the side. Exactly. Um now, that does not mean that a non-evil antagonist can't be the focus of your story. Yes. Uh, one I love to keep bringing back up, and I know this is a bit of a, um, 
uh, an older reference, I think, is Les Miserables, mm-hmm. um, is uh, Javert, mm-hmm. constantly a thorn in Jean Valjean's side. Right. Through the entire thing. He's mm-hmm. definitely, like, if, if the movie, or if, if, if the, the film, the musical, the story, if the, story. the story has a villain, it's Javert. Yes. Uh, there's a lot of other kind of faceless villains in that it takes place during the French Revolution, so the government is kind of a an villain. antagonist or villain. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's there's various other, quote-unquote, villains, like the, uh, um, I forgot how to pronounce their names, but the innkeepers. Yes. Uh, the innkeepers are also kind of villains, but mm-hmm. they're not really, like focuses of the story in quite the same way that Javert is. Correct. But Javert's a good and lawful man. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe a lawful man, at yes. least. But he's not doing this out of evil. No. he, he His drive and... Um, he's and a hard, lawful neutral is what he is. If, if we wanted to give him an alignment, I would I would tend to agree with yes. that. Um, I think he crosses some lines in all directions, um, but never is directly doing things out of malice. He he his drive sits still at justice. Yes. And he he's one of those people who has a hardline truth that mm-hmm. that those in once in chains will always return to them. Yes. And that's that's his drive. He knows that phrase well enough. He's cuz he's accepted it as his truth. Mm-hmm. So, in that sense, he's not he's just a person. It's the is he willing to cross the line? In fact, there's a there's a uh, a really great song in the musical called "Stars," um, which is essentially a prayer sung by Javert mm-hmm. to God, basically saying, "Like I'm doing your divine justice here. Please give me the strength to yep. to seek this villain mm-hmm. that I am after, that I may protect him from himself, mm-hmm. that I may protect others from him and the danger he poses." Yep. Like, he really sees himself as the hero of his own story there. You yeah, know? oh, very much so. Very much so. Um, so the, one of the reasons I love I love antagonists and not villains is that um, if, you're, if your antagonist is sympathetic enough, like, it really starts throwing a moral quandary mm-hmm. into the PC's plans. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can make them really sympathetic. Mm-hmm. And you'll have these moments where you're like, "Oh God, is this guy right?" Yeah. Like, are are we the baddies? Yeah. You know. Um. But the 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 trick is, and and look, and and sometimes your PCs are the baddies. Sometimes mm-hmm. your PCs are that guy. Yeah. Um. And it can be, you know, like if you've got like murder hoboey PCs, it can be good to bring in like in you know, the 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 captain of the guard and just try to hunt them down and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but uh. The, the the real trick is when you have a good group of PCs mm-hmm. and you have a good antagonist and you mm-hmm. pit them against each other because they're both right. Yeah. And that's where some really great role play happens. Yeah. You know? And I think that that then steps into a, a bit into the sympathetic villain. Mm-hmm. Is that a sympathetic villain is that one step away from an antagonist because they are willing to cross the line. But you're you're kind of willing to accept what they're doing. Like, it makes sense. The boxes get checked. You're like, I could see myself doing this. Uh-oh. Yeah. You know? And yeah. that's the thing. It's like, they're not there to blow up the world. Nah-ha-ha. You know? Right. I would say, and I would say that, you know, like the, the blow up the world villain, yeah-ha-ha, does not exist. Like, all of your stuff is there. Why right. Why are you trying to, you know? <laughs> that's like, where I keep all my that's stuff. That's where you keep all your stuff. Like, yeah. why would you try to blow up the world? That's, a, that's an extraordinarily super suicidal thing to do. And, like... You know, every villain, as we always say, is the hero of their own story. Right. Like, 
giving yourself in to that level of evil and utter destruction and nihilism and stuff of that is like remarkably uncommon, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the great thing about the sympathetic villain is, is not that you would look at them and go, you might be right. Right. For me, I think, I think the dividing line between a, between a good sympathetic villain and like an antihero or an antagonist. That side of the scale. Yeah. Is, is that you look at them and you go, dude, you're almost right. Um, I'm reminded of uh, a, a really great song by Joe Jackson um, off of his album Heaven and Hell. Okay. And uh, Heaven and Hell is a concept album. It's uh, it's about uh, the seven deadly sins. Mm-hmm. The last song in the album is called Song of Daedalus, and it's a song about pride. Ah, uh, this is the one you told me about. Yeah, yeah. 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 And uh, at the end, there's this refrain where he's he's singing, um, call me king and call me char, call me... Uh, uh, sun and moon and stars and this this orchestral swell is building behind him mm-hmm. as he's proclaiming that you should call him all of these great things and the very last line he says call me god and the moment the word god leaves his lips the orchestra cuts out entirely and so it's just him in silence going god Okay. Almost as if the music itself is going, yeah, yeah, you can be a king. Yeah, you can be a, a czar. Yeah, you can be the moon and the sun and the stars. Yes, you can be all these things, but you cannot be God. Mm-hmm. That's a bridge too far. Yep. And to me, that's the defining characteristic of a sympathetic villain. Is gotcha. when you look at their plans, you look at their motivations, you look at all of their origins that we talked about earlier, mm-hmm. the things that pushed them into these paths and the choices they made to get there. And you go, man, you were doing the right thing. You had a valid beef mm-hmm. that you were trying to resolve. And I understand why you're angry. Mm-hmm. You were right to feel wronged. Yep. You are a victim. This is trauma you're dealing with. But man, the moment you opened an automatic weapon on that orphanage was the moment, mm-hmm. you know, that you crossed that line. Like you were right up to the point you made that choice. Right. And if you could just back up a little bit, you'd probably be a decent guy. Mm-hmm. But here we are. Yep. And now we got to fight. Yep. You know? Mm-hmm. That, to me, is where the sympathetic villain sits. Yeah. Not, I think you're right, but you would have been right had you not messed up. Yeah. I like some of your quotes in here that kind of put things like the sacrifice, you can't make an omelet without breaking some eggs. Mm -hmm. The scale, uh, their petty lives are meaningless compared to the greatness I will bring. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Or or greatness that will come, you know. Yeah. They think they're doing the right thing. They think they're improving the world through their actions. You know, what's six lives in comparison to that of a whole country, you know? Exactly. Um, And then you get that same thing um, from a historical standpoint of like history will not remember their names but it will uh, but only that this is the age that things changed for the better yep you know i will be dead and forgotten but this moment will not what is it like one death is a tragedy a million deaths is a statistic is what they say yes yes. like a villain that thinks that way of like it's just a statistic it's it's going to be a historical footnote but what they'll really remember is when i cracked the fourth seal and let loose you know uh, wrath. These are the these are the bad people, and they need to be hurt. And I'm doing the good work. That that is often a theme. Uh huh. You know, you know, we're gonna wipe these orcs off the face of this continent and push them away, buddy. Yeah. That sounds like genocide, exactly. and that's a bad guy thing. Yep. But you know what people will remember? 
that they're gone. Mm-hmm. They're never going to ever have seen them. Yeah, yeah, you know what? You know what people 50 years from now are not going to be saying? Boy, I wish that guy had kept all those orcs around. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, justification is the key on that. Yep. Um, and not feeling remorse uh, for their actions, but if they have, they've either covered that up with their acceptance for why. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, a, a good moment that I remember is, I, I want to say it was in uh, the Da Vinci Code, uh, where you see this assassin who's working for the church, you know, uh, basically justified in his actions. He's doing God's work. Mm-hmm. And yet, he, all of the other parts of his existence are sinful. This isn't, but everything else is. Oh yeah, a craving, uh, a, a a a minor glance at someone else. You know, uh, all of that. That's lustful those, and must be repented. Those but, are, but the murder? Sin. No, the murder's above the board. Well, it's, it's not murder. Yeah, it's cleansing. It's cleansing. Right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. It's all about a matter I am, of perspective. I am allowing their souls to be judged. Mm-hmm. Yeah, think you of know? it like doing them a favor. I'm, I'm right. fast tracking them to God. Yeah. So. Oh man. Yeah. Now we step into the one that. By far, I will say, is often the most put in and and flagrantly used, but most misunderstood in placement. I don't I don't know that it's the most used, but I can... I, I When I see it being used, it's being used improperly. But it, it is clearly they're that, trying to put yeah. a monster in, but they end up trying to turn it into a sympathetic villain, and that doesn't work. That's the thing. Yeah. Um, so... Never, so the moment you set a monster in play... It's a monster. Yes. It is not a villain. It is a monster. Exactly. So um, we call the monster archetype the monster um, in reference to uh, the White Wolf system. Yes. Uh, White Wolf system had uh, didn't quite have alignments. They had natures and demeanors. Yes. And they were personality descriptors, basically, um, one of which was the monster. Mm-hmm. Uh, the monster basically is uh, archetypical of the person who believes that they are bad, believes they are beyond redemption, mm-hmm. and leans into it. Yeah. Um, so earlier when I said the blow up the world, nyahaha guy does not exist. Well, villain doesn't exist. They're the not blow, a villain. The blow up the world guy, nyahaha totally exists and they are the monster. Yeah. So I think we've all probably seen it in, in stories before where you've got that one character who, who accepts that they have done wrong and says, I guess that's just who I am now. Yeah. I guess I'm the bad guy. You've made there's, me the monster. I am now the monster. There's no going back for me. There is no redemption. Right. And actively rejects any attempt to reason with him, mm-hmm. to um, bring him back to light, things like that. Um, you know, almost in a way, I would say Darth Vader's almost... Uh, just because of, because of the dialogue of when he died, he was like, it's already too late for me. Like, you have to go save yourself and your friends. Like, I'm... Although he does say you, you already have saved me. Mm-hmm. Uh, he kind of acknowledges his own redemption. He made his but... own redemption at the end of that. And that's why I kind of want to talk about redemption but, later. But, but like, it, save for that last dying scene, though, like, you know, Luke keeps telling him, like, there's still light in you. I sense it. You can you can come back. Right. You don't have to be a dark Jedi anymore. And he's like, no, no, sorry. No. I, I made my decisions long ago. This is who I am. This is mm-hmm. what's happening. To the point where he di- where he is dying and sees his own redemption, he's a monster. Mm-hmm. That's the whole mentality of it. Yeah. Um, the other one that gets me, and and again, it's it's a much lighter version of that is Kung Fu Panda's Tai Lung. He built up his entire life in one direction, 
he was raised, trained by a master, seen over by a grandmaster, because he knew he was the chosen one in his own mind frame. That because that's what his master thought he would be. And when it came right around to that last moment where he's like, okay, I've reached my apex, hand me my scroll, let me be this chosen one, and the Grandmaster goes, no, you're not. And it breaks him. 100% breaks him. He's like, I'm not going to accept that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm literally going to not accept that. And then proceeds to tear across the countryside burning it, raising it by himself Mm -hmm. to get to it, to take it for himself because he is the chosen one regardless of what they believe. They are wrong. The people he trusted, the people, they are wrong. And then he gets locked up for it. Yeah. He knows he's the monster. They made him that monster. He's accepted it whole cloth. And I think that those kind of turning points where you literally have this an apex point, a point that is meant to be the tipping point mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. a character, and they they go one way or the other, yeah. you know, yeah. And and you can see it where one, in one direction they fall off and fall into obscurity, because they may not be that, but it doesn't mean that they're not great. And and that's that's um, kind of what we're referring to when I when I talked about a paradigm break. Um, and for those not enough familiar with the term, um, a paradigm is basically a uh, belief in a way that the world works, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a it's a it's probably a bad definition of it, but um, yeah. but it, essentially it, it is like uh, it goes deeper than an understanding of the world. It's it's a like it's the firmly rooted belief in the order of things, mm-hmm. how our brain acknowledges reality itself to work. Right. Um, and so, you know, in this particular character that you're talking about from Kung Fu Panda, they're like, they're being brought up on with the belief that they are the chosen one. Okay. Their entire understanding of reality and their place in it is based around that. Mm-hmm. And so when that rug gets pulled out from under them, it serves as a paradigm break for them. Reality suddenly does not add up. One yep. plus one no longer adds up to two. Right. And when that happens, you get one of two reactions. You either get a reality check, mm-hmm. where a person will sit down and have to reassess everything. Sometimes this is horrifically bad for them, mm-hmm. um, but they push through it, yeah. and they come out changed in mm-hmm. some way, for better or for worse. Yep. Um, or they do what this dude does. Mm-hmm. And when their reality is shattered, they go into a nihilistic spiral, mm-hmm. and they say, you know what? If nothing is real, nothing matters, screw it, I'm burning it all down to the ground. Or I am going to be that. I will make the world so that I am that. I I have to make this fit my paradigm. Right. Yes. I I will will force it. I will show you how I am. If I can't show you, I will take it and become it and you will be proud of me. Like shoving a puzzle piece that clearly yeah. does not fit, and mangling the puzzle piece just to make it maybe it destro- that place. maybe destroying the table in the process, yes. you know that you're building it on. Yeah, exactly yeah, that kind of level of of, of force. Uh, and honestly, these are probably your most dangerous villains mm-hmm. because for them there is no redemption arc. Yeah, there's no bringing them back, and anything is on the board for them because they're so they're they're the monster. Yeah. They've acknowledged they're the bad guy. They're not even the heroes of their own story. They're the villains of their own story. Yeah. They'll and tell you to your face. They're the ones who literally, their drive statement will not change until redemption. 
if that's even in the cards. Even if you can slow them down enough to make it part of the equation near the end. You know, where in the case of Kung Fu Panda, he literally sees who is the chosen one. And it he's like I, he, he's in disbelief because again he's he's re he's re come he's come back to that tipping point mm-hmm. for the second time you're just a panda <laughs> yep yep uh so all right there's justification here is is the big problem with 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 monsters mm-hmm. um and like i said they're 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 the ones that are really difficult to to kind of pin down from a uh, a realism standpoint because again, like most people, you want to believe you can be you can be reasoned with and stuff like that. So like, if you're gonna do the I want to destroy the world thing, mm-hmm. you need to put that villain in such a mindset that they are willing to destroy everything, including themselves, to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that can get pretty dark. So yeah. like, be prepared for that. Like you. If you're seriously going to write a good villain and make them the monster, you're be prepared for some grim dark in your campaign. Because mm-hmm. they're these are not light, happy, cheerful dudes. There's no happy endings with them. Yeah. Anytime you, know? you bring a monster into a campaign, even if it is just as a prop, you know, for something, some part of the campaign. Seven C uses Reese, who is a a, a maniacal pirate who runs the most ridiculous... He's basically like the worst version of Blackbeard that that could possibly exist. Mm-hmm. And he is, without a doubt, a monster. When he's brought into play, there is no chance for survival. The heroics are out the door. Is that the guy that I shot one of his no. dudes for? Okay, good. No. D- different guy. Different guy. That okay. guy's reasonable. Uh, no, r- r- race is... Oh, good. He is literally listed as a monster. He is he is not just a villain. He is straight up a monster, and he will wreck and chase whoever, because he cannot be stopped. Yeah, yeah. You know, he can get tired, but that's about it, you know? Um, and he can't be reasoned with. And his crew either does their actions out of fear or or out of blind following because of him you know he he fervors them uh nox nox in the live chat is asking some questions about uh what we mean by reasonable villain um, oh we have lots of reasonable villains yeah um i mean reasonable reasonable in that they're not beyond the the point of redemption um and and that i don't know that like um i mean you're not look you're not always going to successfully be able to redeem a villain no not no. all of them will want it not all of them will um uh will regardless of whether they can be redeemed a lot of them will will maybe say that they don't uh deserve it they don't deserve it or anything yeah. like that they may feel a lot of remorse which mm-hmm. again separates them from the monster correct um they they may feel a lot of remorse about the things that they've done and say like oh no well you know oh no i'm i'm a monster you can't redeem me i'm i'm so i'm so awful i'm so evil look at all the bad things i've done yeah and that's different from the monster who revels in it yeah it, it is know? a beast by nature and a beast that must be put down exactly exactly but like um if they if they still feel remorse then they still understand that there is a right way and a wrong way to do things, and they understand that the ro- that the things they've been doing are the wrong way, mm-hmm. and that can still be reasoned with. Yeah, you may need to bargain with them in an odd way. You may need to use some leverage, yeah. and stuff like that. But, um, if your villain still wants something beyond the utter destruction of everything, including themselves, 
you still have something to offer them. Right. And even a, the most vile mob boss probably wants power and money. Mm-hmm. And so if you offer them power and money without strings attached or without strings that they can easily handle, they'll probably take it. Mm-hmm. And they can, and, and that's a bargain, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, um, reasonable doesn't denote that they're good. It just means that they still have, I suppose, terrestrial attachments mm-hmm. and some sort of human aspect to them that can be appealed to. Yeah. I mean, you always run the risk that your villain is not the top of the food chain, mm-hmm. which is common. It's it's a very common thing that there's always another puppet beyond them, and that's actually a really good way of doing it, is that your villain is merely a henchman to a larger body or villain. Mm-hmm. Um, I go back to um, Nobody, the movie, um, which not a lot of people have seen, but it's the, the, it's a really good story. But the key crux of it, uh, of the villain within that um is that it's it's not just one villain; it's a whole series of events that occur uh, to this guy. But the primary villain it is doing work for some other people. He's just a laundry guy, but he's made himself an empire. And then this guy, this nobody, comes in and basically tells him it's over, the money's gone, most of your men are dead. Just walk away. Mm-hmm. You follow me, and this ends tonight. You walk away, you could start over. I don't care. I'm done. And that villain realizes that he can't walk away. Mm-hmm. He's given the chance to have remorse and, 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 and deal with his shit and walk. But he doesn't. Because he realizes that the moment he does, he's hunted for the rest of his existence by these other individuals. There's no way for him to to make back for this. He's going to be told, handle this. Yeah, yeah. So he only has one out. So that's a redemption point where your villain still turns and takes the takes the death offer, basically. Or death. death then I'll take the death. Sure, sure. Because I don't get another choice. Either I end you and somehow figure out how to handle this or death. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's always an interesting part where you're just like, do I redeem this villain? And the question is, who does that villain have to answer to besides themselves? If there's no one beyond themselves, then maybe their redemption is, is reasonable and could actually occur. Sure. If there's someone beyond them or something beyond them, mm, Ask your question is, how is that thing or those people going to feel and how are they going to handle it? And does that person care? Mm-hmm. So that that's where things can come in. Um, some decent examples um, of, of villains that are rounded, maybe not necessarily always sympathetic. Sure, sure. But but well designed. And, and, and look, I, I, I've seen some of these on this list. It, it, I know one or two of them will probably spark some strong reactions of course. From, from listeners and such like that. Like, we're literally, we're not talking about the movie or the writers behind it not or anything like that. We're literally just talking about how this particular villain in a vacuum was portrayed, was portrayed. with their motivations and how they went about achieving them. Excellent disclaimer. Okay. Um, Dracula. Probably one of the one of the best well known, written in multiple genres, but has a basis that almost everyone within those genres can accept. Sure. They were a hero that defended their family and their people, that became shunned and hunted because of the efforts and brutal methods that they did. Mm-hmm. They crossed a line. They then denounced their faith because the faith even had turned on them and fell from grace when their when when their family is murdered. Mm-hmm. And becomes effectively a recluse. Yes. And is a villain at that point. Because they're in recluse and believe there is no redemption for them. That is not a bad villain. That is a well-wrought, 
put together designed villain who then can have multiple things spin off of it. We know those stories. His love was returned in a different age. Mm-hmm. You know, his uh, you know, they 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 are hunted for who they are and uh, and recover themselves through other means. You know, they become the hunter. Mm-hmm. You know, trying to repent for what they've done. All of these are spinoff stories that can come from that. But the core of that villain is still there. Yeah. Uh, even even uh, the the uh, Castlevania version of uh, of yeah. Dracula. Um, when especially like with the with the cartoons uh, on Netflix, bringing this out really really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, thanks to the efforts of Warren Ellis. Um, you've got uh, the story plays out slightly different mm-hmm. uh, in of that his uh, his wife was a scientist mm-hmm. and a, and a chemist. Uh, and of course, as being in the age where witchcraft was was a big accusation, uh, they felt very threatened by her. Of course, and the church was filled with awful people, yep. and they put her to death. Yeah, and uh, Dracula lost his damn mind yep. over the murder. What he sees is the murder. Uh, really, was the murder of his of, of his uh, of his wife, mm-hmm. and uh, just brought down wrath and basically summoned up evil spirits to mm-hmm. uh, terrorize the countryside. And that's kind of how he, you know, yeah. Yeah, no, that's it again. Simple villainy, um, syndrome from the Incredibles. Syndrome is great. I yeah. think a fantastically well built thing. Wanted to be a hero. Was super intelligent. Was told to go home by his idol. Yeah, his there's, direct idol. At there's the your paradigm break of, of a paradigm break. So an idol then gets turned into a nemesis, uh-huh. and he wishes to be the only superhero. But when he gets bored with it, he'll eventually just sell it to everyone else so they too can be heroes. Because they don't need superheroes. Yes. The yes. world doesn't need them. He doesn't need them anymore. And how many superheroes did he kill? Testing. His, yeah. Testing his thing to make yeah. sure that he could get all of them. Yeah. 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 Uh, I, I Again, I love that. I love him as a villain, like the well, how well written he was. Oh, he was great. He was yeah. great. Um and great, you know, all of the great tropes of villainy came out of that. I I honestly say go back watch him. I'm going to be quoting him next uh, next episode. Oh, excellent. Yes. Excellent. Um Scar from The Lion King? Yes. I know uh, you're you're huge Disney fans considering you're that's where you're going on vacation. Yeah. Uh, um not so much the, the, that but the fact that uh, I actually had to read a little on him because it had been so long since I'd been involved uh, and and seen The Lion King even. Uh-huh. Um but Scar was a staunch and loyal defender. Of the pride. Mm-hmm. Like, he was probably the strongest of all of them. But because of that, like, and because of his recognition, he kind of lusted for more power. And mm-hmm. in fact, power of the king. Yeah. He wanted that seat. And he didn't believe that anyone else deserved it. There's a, um, whether it's by entitlement or by, well, really a lot of, a lot of entitlement. Um, uh, when you've got a, uh, a character who is very good at what they do... Um, there's a tendency to look at, um, look at the way things are and say, I, I could do this better than anyone around here. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I should be king cause I kind of know what's best. All these other fools are going to mess things up. Yeah. If I were in control, things would be great. Right. And once you've made that leap of judgment, you can then kind of make the next leap to like, what can I do? Like, it's it's really kind of a good thing, right? If, like, I overthrow the government, yeah, right? Like, yeah. if I just, you know, if I just killed uh, uh, Simba. Is it, no, I'm sorry, what was his father's name? Um, 
Oh, geez, now you made me think about it. Anyways. Yeah, right. So if I just if I just kill Mufasa. whoever the, the – Mufasa, yeah. Ooh. If I just kill Mufasa, <laughs> ooh, um, <laughs> then, you know, everything's going to be great because, like, he's incompetent, really. Yeah. And, like, honestly, if things were – if I were in charge, it'd be great. Yeah. So I'm doing them a favor mm-hmm. if I just change the regime on everybody, you know? And you can dip into fascism real quick like that. Yeah. Real quick. And that makes for a great villain. So then I'm going to step into something. And, and again, I'm, I'm being broad here. Very, very broad. Ultron. This is the controversial one. I was this is going to be the controversial Because I know a lot of people hate Age of Ultron yeah, as a movie. Yeah, as a movie. But, I mean, whether you look at the comics or whether you look at the movie, there's uh-huh. kind of a broad stroke here that he was created for the purpose to save Earth. Yeah. Not humanity. Mm-hmm. And he analyzed all the data and basically saw us as a virus. Yep. We uh, are pointless. Good, good good news, everybody. I found the source of the problem, and it's you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, w- like a monster, without any re- without any way to reason, he started wiping. Mm-hmm. Wiping the slate clean. Cold, calculating, remorseless, yeah. 100% set in the idea of what he is doing is 100% correct. Mm-hmm. And uh, just started genociding. Yeah. Because... Like you do. He was right. Uncalculably, without question, correct. And that's the difference. A a monster is bestial by nature. Mm -hmm. What they're doing at their core is is unreasonable. It is... It it, it doesn't step into reason. It's bestial. Yeah. You know, it is instinctually this is, is how it has to be. So it doesn't make them dumb. It doesn't make them un uh, unintelligible or 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 some kind of an enigma that isn't going to be able to communicate. Ultron is a monster. I mean, they're they're crazy, but not crazy in the giggling, the you know, giggle fits in the corner, you know, uh, uh, crazy in that right. cold, calculating. My reality is not your reality. Crazy. Correct. Correct. Uh, Hal, Hal from two thousand one Space Oddity. Thank excellent. you, Hulu in the live chat. Excellent. Excellent example. Excellent yep. example. Uh, harder to define. Um, I would say, uh, based upon the materials of of their drive and some of the other c- components that make up Hal, uh, rather than Ultron. Ultron has a lot of material, but I would agree, definitely a monster character. And I, I arguably say that that makes Hal harder as a villain to understand mm-hmm. and makes it more challenging in the movie, which is why a lot of people didn't quite get it. Mm-hmm. Not to say that 2001 A Space Odyssey was a real straightforward, easy, straightforward yeah. movie. <laughs> <laughs> so, got to admit, I'm in that camp. All right, we have good questions. I want to get to these questions. Uh, we're going to go over. I know that. But... Awesome, snag one. All right. Um, I'm actually going to start with Hulu because he's in the chat. Sure. Uh, does a villain have to be evil? We've already answered that question. The answer is technically no, no. but we'll get to that. Well, okay. Te- a villain does is by by nature evil. Yes. Um, I know that it may seem contradiction of terms, but would you would it work to have a villain who is fighting? for another just cause like soldiers fighting a war against each other acknowledge that while they are trying to kill each other it's not personal what are some tips in running a non-evil villain i'm going to start by saying one thing here i'm uh-huh. currently watching maya and the three it's on netflix okay there are basically it's humans versus it's it's uh, uh angelic creatures people who were either created by the gods as a half human half God uh, and f- discovered and or people who were made by circumstance and given godlike weapons mm-hmm. effectively going to fight the gods. Not all the gods are 
monsters. There is definitely a monster among them. Sure, sure. But one basically shows up one day and comes to the family and says, uh, she needs to come with me and return to her mother, the the queen of the dead. Mm-hmm. Or god of the dead. And, you know, and we'll just go on. And they're like, you're not taking her from us. She's coming with me one way or another. Please, I am being a reasonable individual. Like, I'm literally trying to just ask so yeah. that this doesn't have to escalate it. Correct. Anymore. And they es- the- they're escalating it because they don't want her to go. He returns through the whole thing with the same care and consideration. And even speaking about his agenda, not to ruin anything about the, the show, but his agenda is not far off from hers. Mm-hmm. Granted, it involves him wanting her dead, but that's not a personal thing. He's trying to end the problem. And he is a villain without a doubt in many ways. Mm-hmm. But is he understandably in the same direction as the heroes? Yeah, maybe. And the answer is yes. So I would say watch the show. It's fantastic. They do a really good job in it. But he is a very cool villainous character. Yeah, yeah. That is easy to I would I would almost say sympathetic mm-hmm. in many ways. Uh but not. He's just in line. Right on, right on. Uh I, I think uh I mean for for writing um antagonists, which is what we're talking about here, villains that are not evil. Um for writing good antagonists, uh especially like like you're saying with um on you know, soldiers on opposite sides of the war, uh I think probably the best thing you can do is draw parallels. Let yeah. the let the player characters see themselves in the opposing side, mm-hmm. um, and uh, with that, you've got when, when you start drawing a lot of common ground between the two of them, you open up a lot more um, opportunities for uh, conflicts between them to play out in different ways other than violence. Where, uh, you know, may, maybe we don't have to shoot each other. Maybe mm-hmm. we can talk this out. Mm-hmm. And it may be, you know, with loaded guns from opposite sides of a barricade that they're talking it out. Right. But they're trading words and not bullets. Yep. Maybe I put down my gun. Maybe you put down your gun and we try to kill each other like civilized people, as yeah. God intended. Yeah. You know? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Just sportsmanlike. It doesn't help that I'm bigger and stronger than you. <laughs> I don't even exercise. Yeah. Um, but like those are those are really great moments where like you see those 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 commonalities where you can be like oh crap we're you know it's that that common line of oh we're not so different you and I but like sometimes they really mean it like no we're really not that different we're literally just soldiers both being put out here by our respective governments to shoot at each other neither none neither of our respective set of bureaucrats will ever see the front of this war and the horrors we're enduring and committing to be here you know, maybe maybe we can talk this out and find a resolution between us, you know? And I think that's really the, the, the aspect you want to go for. Humanize them in the eyes of your PCs, because they are. Especially if they're not evil, they should be able to be reasoned with. Um, open those opportunities and let them take them. Yeah. Uh, I, I I had to say this in, in chat. Uh, one of the things that came up was, uh, Heatsink said, villainy seems to be a matter of perspective. It is. Kind of. I say no. Vill- kind of. Villainy is not perspective. Mm-hmm. Antagonism, 100%. Do you have remorse for your actions without justification? Yeah. If you, if the answer is no, I'm going to justify... It's villainy. 
Right, right. Have you done... See, the wrong thing I did was okay because... No, you're a villain. That's a villain. That's You've a villain. just done a villainous act. <laughs> right. You know. It, the, it's the times when the villain looks at the party and says, I am sorry your friend died. Mm-hmm. And sets their weapons down and turns and walks away. That's it. That That's it. They're sorry. Yeah. yeah. Not they're sorry they were, you know, they're sorry they were an amazing fighter. They did their best. You know, okay, that's remorse. Okay, maybe there's a point of redemption there, but they're just like, they were just, a, they were, but they were in my way. Mm, nope, now you're a villain. Now you're a villain, yep. <laughs> so Heatsink follows up with uh, his employees may not see them as a villain. Well, oh, that, that, that's a totally that, different story. That sounds, like a, that sounds like a problem for his employees. In that case, that's perspective. Yeah, that's that, That's just denial at that point, you know? So, we, we all work. In denial. We all work in denial. Yep. <laughs> so, there you want to grab one? Uh, yeah, sure. There's two uh, from, uh, oh, jeez. No, Agami. Agami, thank you. Uh, okay, so uh, why would the villain not think that they're doing the right thing? Uh, it may be an individual justification or realization, or it may be a belief that what they are doing benefits a certain group of people or the majority of people. Excellent points. Mm-hmm. Um, to make a good villain, they must have a motive and drive to do the things that they do. Without Besides, this isn't the end of uh, confronting... Uh, Sorry, isn't it great at the end when confronted by the party, the big bad evil guy gives the rationalization which shakes the party's core beliefs or causes them to pause and consider if they are doing the right thing? Absolutely. That's where you come down to the sympathetic villain. But again, I, I, I still state to you that like you sh- you probably should define whether you're talking about an antagonist or you're talking about a sympathetic villain. Um, it, at least in your own notes, mm-hmm. know which side of the line your dude sits on mm-hmm. because it helps you make decisions about where you want them to be in the story and mm-hmm. what sort of resolution you want out of that story. Yeah. Um, I, I think, I think most villains believe they're doing the right thing. Um, they may not even think that their methods are like like I said, you know, there there's there there may be some remorse there. There may be I, I can't make an omelet without breaking a few eggs, but I acknowledge I'm breaking eggs. So the end of Watchmen. As Asmodius? Uh Osmondius. Osmondius. Yeah. He he is a good example that especially at the very end, he exposes everything. Sure. Like it's over. Sure. And they're all like I mean, this is bringing the world together but you've done something horrific here so i admit it was horrific so to be clear for those of you who who haven't read or watched watchmen um uh the the, the spoiler endings, alert the the endings differ um a little in in the method he uses correct but the end result is essentially the yes. same causing all of humanity to essentially trauma bond off of a horrific act he puts into play mm-hmm. um while disguising his um uh, involvement in it, right, and pointing it to another individual, pointing, pointing it to to an external to an external factor, um, but basically causes humanity to go, oh wow, our petty squabbles don't mean anything anymore. We've got this bigger fish to fry, and essentially causes them, uh, subjects them to millions of deaths, exterminated in the blink of an eye, all over, all over the place, so that it can't be pinned on any one particular world superpower, um, and does it in such a way that basically causes humanity to go, oh, wow, uh, our problems now seem small, and we are all now united in the trauma of this event. Yep. And so we can all be one people working towards a solution to that problem. Yep. And it's horrific that he murdered millions of people to do it. But he sees his end goal as he united humanity. 
So do the ends justify the means, you know? Um, he, again, he's the hero of his own story, kind of. Yeah. I, I think he all, he does refer to himself as the villain of the story at one point. Oh, no, point. he accepts it 100%. He, Ex- accepts he, had he did to a be. bad thing. And that he pawned it off. Mm-hmm. He made certain that he could continue. Even, you know, whether or not he did was irrelevant. It was going to happen. He just recognized at that point that no one could stop him. He had thought about every situation to handle it. Yeah. Yeah. He was just outside of scope. There was no way to follow him. So, I I don't know if that answers the question or not. Um, I mean, it's it's kind of a kind of a big question of like you know, do, do, would, when would they not think they're doing the right thing if they think that they're using? I think the only if their ends justify their means is basically the. Th- and that's know. the thing is, that why would the villain not think they were doing the right thing? There are many villains who know they're doing the wrong thing, but the ends justify the means. Correct. Yes. Correct. Um. There's a, there's a lot a lot of of military movies that use that as a methodology. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, where they know what they're doing, one hundred percent. But this is going to this is going to save lives in the end. Yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. All right, second part. All right. Uh, so do you tease the party with encounters from your main villain early in the campaign or not? How about villains which are pulled from the party's backstories? Uh, only the characters don't realize it until they get much closer to the confrontation. Not only does this reinforce the importance of their backstory, but it also makes the big encounter more personal to one or more of the party. Yeah, I think we kind of di- we're going to discuss this in the the next episode a bit more. Uh, mm-hmm. Kind of the reveal, if you will, and how that that happens and and why. But. Um, yeah, teasing, I don't necessarily say it's teasing, exposing your villain at the turn. Mm-hmm. So once you have your players invested in the story, the turn of the story where the truth comes out is often where the villain is exposed. And the villain is exposed in such a way that the players understand their scope in comparison to the villain. Mm-hmm. You know, whether they're on the same ground as the villain and running in the same direction, or the villain is something so much greater than they are. And now they're running either away initially or having their first fall, you know, um, which is often the case. Um, Most, most uh, heroic and uh, Odyssey style stories in that turn on the act, the truth, the turn of the truth um, pits the the players like, Oh, we've, we figured out the truth and it's your, and you're the one behind it, behind the curtain and they open the curtain and it's something that's four times larger than and six times stronger than them and literally bats them off the cliff. And now they're at the bottom of the cliff broken, trying to figure out how they're going to handle the monster at the top of the cliff again. And that the the cliff being the metaphor of the story. So it's, no, it's basic, basic Dragon Ball Z structure right there. Well, that's it's it, villain shows up at the beginning of the season, kicks the crap out of Goku. Goku mm-hmm. spends the season training, beats the crap out of the monster because he had to get stronger to do it. Yeah, it's a, you've already had all of the truth up to that point. You, the the month that at that point the the person who steps into the picture is literally the third act, and that's why it's not really great storytelling, but it is still an odyssey. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, totally presenting your villain properly is always the key, and it's that getting to that point becomes very important and how you present that. And, and next episode, we're definitely going to be going over that, so I would say listen up for that. Uh, yeah, I, I think the, the only thing I want to add to this is um, uh, an answer to the first part of the question here. Do you do you tease the party with encounters from your main villains early in the campaign? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 
because uh, I, I think the amount of um, impact your villain has is proportional to the amount of screen time they get, or at least to their perceived place in the story. Okay. Um, so, for instance, uh, I, I had you guys romping all around the Colovian Highlands in my, uh, my Elder Scrolls game, hunting down the Poppy King, mm-hmm. and you guys heard his name dozens mm, of times. So many times. For for probably twelve game sessions before you ever even laid eyes on the guy, yep, because you were dealing with his henchman the entire time, and the guy never showed up. Why would he? Mm-hmm. He has henchmen, you know. Um, and it was only until you guys had like eliminated two out of the three whole gangs that worked for him and had the third one on the ropes that you ever really got to see him in action. Because at that point, yeah, he had to step forward and start doing stuff himself, you know. Um. But because I kept bringing him up and I kept hitting you with his henchmen and stuff like that mm-hmm. and, and showing you the effects of his grip on that area, by the time I did show you the Poppy King, even though this is the first time you ever stay, saw him, you hated him. We knew and exactly who he was. You knew exactly who he was. You had all sorts of things, awful things you guys wanted to do to this guy because screw him. Mm-hmm. Um, and literally it was the first time you'd ever met him. Yep. And that's that's where the corpus comes in. Yeah, like, there 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 are tendrils of every monster that sits out, and you may cut a few of them, but you will see the scope of the monster is much larger than you expected. Yep, yep. So, uh, and then uh, you know the the other way of doing it too is doing the um, uh, the villain in your pocket sort of thing, mm-hmm. where you uh, you have an everyday person basically who is who's going to become the villain later through mm-hmm. means in a story. But you don't, uh, you don't reveal them. Yeah. Um, and then later, you know, twenty twenty game sessions down the road, you find out that uh, you know the evil count is actually, or the good count is actually the evil count, and he's been playing you this whole time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you've had dinner with that guy. Yeah. You've hung out with him. He, he gave you the magic sword you wear on your hip. That's right. He Man, gave you... screw that guy. <laughs> yeah. You've been staying at his keep, and it's rather nice. How you know? could he betray you like this? Right. You know, and then. Because you've got that friendship turned to anger, you've got a lot of history with him, and mm-hmm. that works well too. So, yep, yep. All right. So, uh, our next week's topic, uh, which we're going to be recording here shortly, yeah. Again, if you're listening live, um, it's going to happen in about probably about ten minutes or so. Is uh, villainous uh, movements, and that's kind of where we're going to be talking about uh, not just uh, the way they talk or the way they present themselves, but kind of their whole activity and agenda scale right what's your what's your villain up to what do they want uh as soon as you can find us on twitter at st underscore conclave on instagram at st underscore conclave listen to us live every wednesday night at 7 p.m eastern time uh, on mixlr.com slash storyteller dash conclave and join us on our discord uh you can find that link on our twitter as well as our website storytellerconclave.com We'd like to thank our Patreon members, especially our named ones, Knox on the Box, Sam, the Arcane Asylum, Sparkle Motion, Veteran, and Hulavu. We appreciate all of your assistance every single month. Our pre-show music is by Arcane Anthems. You can find that at patreon.com slash arcane anthems. Our intro music, Beyond the Warriors, is by Geefrog. You can find that at geefrog.bandcamp.com or on Google Music. And our outro music, Only Our Footprints in the Sand by Midair Machine, can be found at freemusicarchive.org. Big shout out as always to our families, Vicky and Sean. Thank you so much for loving and supporting us. All of our friends who've sat with us at our tables over the years to share these great stories with you. And you, every single one of our listeners, we love you so much. Love you very much. Good night. Good night.